Hello and welcome to the final DCM podcast of 2018. Before I introduce this month's guest, a quick update on UK cinema admissions. November finished on 14.8 million, which is up 5% from November 2017. So if you've been keeping up to date with my cinema admissions bulletins, and let's be honest, it's why most of you tune in. Uh, If December's admissions top 14.6 million, we'll finish on the highest admissions total since 1971. And just to give you a bit of context, December has topped 15 million in each of the last five years. What it all means is that 2018 has been a terrific year for cinema and 2019 is looking even better. Now, on to this month's guests. I'm delighted to be joined by Alex Crawford, who is film booking manager at Odeon Cinemas. Hi, Alex. Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, not bad at all. Okay, now in the warm-up, you uh, indicated how many films you've seen this year. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get that on the record. How many films have you watched this year? So I've seen 316 2018 releases. So some of them I saw last year. But then I've seen some 2019 releases that I don't count until next year. 360. Yeah. Okay, and you said you were hoping to get... Yeah, I think I can get to 365. I think I can. It's going to take, you know, a fairly kind of non-sociable approach to Christmas to do it. Which is the best way to do it. (laughs) I, I think that's within my power, so I think I can do it, yeah. So just to clarify, it is December... The I forgot what day it is. I think it's December the 17th. 17th. So there's two weeks after today. Yeah. So, and you've got how many more films to watch in that time? 49. 49 films. Wow. I, this, think it's, I do think it's doable. This is how you become film booking manager at one of the UK's major cinema chains. Yeah, there's there's more. I think they keep telling me there's more to it, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They've told it, you it got, helps. You helps. You've got the job now, Alex. You can relax. You can do other things. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a mixture of wanting to see everything. And being terribly competitive whenever anyone else suggests they might try and see more than me within the team, I always think, well, we'll see. Is there someone else who's getting close? Yeah, one of my colleagues who won't tell me how many they've seen. Oh. Until um, when? Like, ever? And he says he'll tell me on New Year's Day. Oh, OK. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, hopefully he won't listen I to think this it, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not. I'm not going to tell him about it. But I think um, I think it'll be close. And if it, look, if, it, if I do lose, but I lose having seen a film a day, I'd take that. That's fine. What a way to go out. So, we're approaching the end of the year. Yeah. What, have you seen any of the big Christmas films? I'm thinking maybe Aquaman. Yep, seen Aquaman, liked Aquaman. It's, um, it's a very... Uh, it's not the kind of normal comic book movie that we've seen from DC. Um, it's got a much more um, ingrained sense of fun than the likes of Batman vs Superman or Justice League. Uh, it's completely and utterly out there. It's, it's kind of a very, um, very uh, haphazard approach to kind of making a film grounded in any sort of reality. They they embrace the intrinsic, um, intrinsic kind of lunacy of having a film about a um, underwater god <laughs> and. It delivers. I, I I had a very very good time. The film's two and a bit hours long, but it doesn't really drag. Jason Momoa's got charisma on top of his biceps, and yeah, I had a really good time with it. It's not a game changer or anything like that, but it is. If you like comic book films, it's definitely one to try and see.
I haven't seen it yet, but you have sold it to me. I just, I just need to know: Do they need oxygen? No. Well, like if you were, if he was fully human, yeah, it would. He would, I think, need oxygen. Okay. But he's fine because he's a mixture. Of, so he doesn't have to keep going. He's a mixture of sea god and uh, and human. Yeah, it's not like he's got a big snorkel, okay. which I think would have been fun as well, to oh, be honest. Snorkel man. Uh, and have you seen Sp- uh, Spider Man into yeah. the Spider Verse? So again, some unbelievable reviews and thoroughly deserves them. I think it's. Um, I see a lot of people kind of saying it's the best Spider-Man movie ever, and I kind of get why they're saying that because if you think back to the Sam Raimi ones, they're the first two are really good. Second one doesn't have a great ending. First one maybe has like a little takes a little bit of time to get going. I think I would say it's up there with Spider-Man: Homecoming as the best Spider-Man movie so far, um, and it's th- it's really really entertaining. Like they, it's so inventive, it's so clever. There's lots of little touches from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who uh, obviously did the Lego movie and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and some percentage of Solo, which will never be determined. <laughs> and they're uh, they're they're a really kind of skillful um, filmmaking combination. I mean, if you think Spider Spider Verse has kind of little elements of the humour they showed in the Jump Street films, it's got a very likable cast, voice cast. I mean. John Mulaney playing a pig version of Spider-Man called Spider-Ham mm-hmm. is is right up there with things that I would want to see. And, um, yeah, it's got lots of heart as well. It doesn't kind of skimp on the emotions that have always kind of been a big part of Spider-Man. It's, it's really, really great, and it, it's a film definitely to see on the big screen because the visuals are incredible. I'm still reeling from Spider-Man Homecoming being the best Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man I Homecoming. I thought it was great. I like a it a sense lot. of fun. But I think Spider-Man 2 is the... Is the one of the pinnacles in superhero cinema. The thing about Spider-Man 2 is, and it is great, and it's up there, but it basically ends with Spider-Man like giving Doctor Octopus a talking to and him deciding not to be evil anymore. <laughs> and at this stage in the comic book uh, thing, when we've seen like Thanos doing his stuff and you know the kind of the pyrotechnics in Black Panther and all that sort of stuff, doesn't really cut it anymore. I think if there'd been a better ending and in fact part of the ending is brilliant the bit on the tube set train or the um, the subway train where he gets unmasked it's amazing it's such a great moment and it's a great New York film but it doesn't quite end as well I don't think as Homecoming does and one thing I really loved about Homecoming was they had kids that looked like kids so if you're going to make a film set in a high school they do uh, look like not having school, a 30 year old Tobey Maguire is a good start <laughs> I think yeah that, that's a fair point so um, it's a big month for Odeon it is uh, you're reopening one of the most, arguably one of the most famous cinemas in the country, if not yeah, Europe. It, uh, if not the world, yeah, one of the most famous um, flagship cinemas, Odeon Leicester Square, very exciting. Um, I'd suggest everyone who gets a chance to come and see it does. Um, it's a really beautiful redesign, the technological capabilities with the Dolby um, system, the first one in the UK. So that's the Dolby Vision. So it's, it's, and a, it's Dolby, Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos, which together make something called Dolby Cinema, and it's just it's really beautiful. I, we've got one in one of our cinemas in Barcelona, um, where I saw A Star Is Born this year, and it was it's an incredible viewing experience. The sounds unbelievably clear. The picture is very very deep, very resonant. Um, there are lots of very good viewing experiences for people to go and see films nowadays. But I think Dolby stacks up against the very best, and yeah, I'd, I'd very much recommend it. And it opens this week, is that correct? For Mary Poppins, yeah. Okay, I'm actually going to go see it at nice. Odeon Leicester Square. Um, so I mentioned in the intro that 
uh, admissions-wise, it has been probably a better year than any of us could have expected, yeah. isn't it? Why do you think that is? So I think a number of different things. There's been some been some films that have really struck a chord with people this year. Um, things like The Greatest Showman, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, uh, Incredibles 2, which have, A Star Is Born, the films which have really kind of had long tails, so that haven't kind of been boom and bust in the first week and go and think Greatest Showman only got to the number one or spot in the box office in its sixth week, which is that's incredible like, that's nowadays. Like the 80s again. Yeah. And then Bohemian Rhapsody has been the same thing. So there's been lots of... I guess I would say that if you think, if you exclude Incredibles from that, that's a lot of very comfortable original films. So you know what you're getting if you go and see those films. Possible exception, A Star Is Born. You know what you're getting if you buy a ticket to a Mamma Mia film, even though that was an original concept for the sequel. You know what you're getting if you go and see The Greatest Showman and if you've seen Bohemian Rhapsody. But then don't feel necessarily like things you've seen a million times before. So... I think the we thought that the film slate would be more reliant on some of the some of the um, some of the franchise films and the sequels like Jurassic World two and Solo, Fantastic Beasts, Fantastic Beasts. But actually, what we've seen is probably a little bit of a turning away from those sorts of things. Obviously, there are some exceptions like Avengers, Incredibles two did really well, where people are still very much into the sequels and. None of the films that I've mentioned, you know, have kind of walked away without anybody seeing them. It's just there's probably been a bit, bit of a change of of what people have been seeking out. Peter Rabbit's another one uh, film, which obviously a lot of people are aware of the character, but it was a new take on it. Did very, very well. People really liked it. Yeah, I think admissions-wise, more than more people went to see Peter Rabbit than Paddington. Yeah, which I liked Peter Rabbit a lot, uh, as you, I think we've spoken about before. Paddington. One was one of the best films of the year. Paddington 2 was arguably the best film of last year. Peter Rabbit's not quite at that level to me, but it is a great, it's a great family film. It's very easy to watch, nice message, and, um, yeah, lots of fun. So it's good that people are kind of flocking towards good films, I think. So what are your thoughts about 2018 as a whole uh, in terms of the film slate? Do you think it was a good year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of films this year that I've really, really liked. I've seen... Not very many big films that I've really disliked, which is always a good sign. If you're not seeing kind of, you know, a, a lot of big budget out-and-out turkeys, um, I think it's been a year where there have been some great steps towards, you know, a move towards greater representation in who we're seeing as heroes on screen. Black Panther is the obvious one for that, um, which is obviously a huge step forward for Hollywood and for the industry over here as well. I hope. Yeah, I think um, I think overall it has been a good year. I think there's been a lot of great films for people if they can find them. Sometimes small films, but um, well worth, very, very rewarding for people if they can find them. So, what have been your biggest surprises? We'll go we'll go through your best films shortly. But what so were the biggest surprises? Biggest surprises in terms of it's a good question. So, in terms of things that I've liked uh, a lot more than I thought, would Aquaman is one. So, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that Aquaman would. Would uh, would tick as many boxes for me as it did. Peter, Ra I was really impressed by Peter Rabbit. Again, wasn't sure what that was going to be. I think when we saw it, I thought it was very good. By the time it came out in the UK, I think we had an idea of it. But one of the big surprises this year was Crazy Rich Asians. I think so. Spent a long time looking at that title and thinking, I'm not even sure that's releasable because it, it it seemed like a fairly offensive film title. And then obviously the film um, kind of was, I think, very much. 
uh, respectful to the Asian heritage of the story and everything else and I thought that was a really really nice film um, and then I guess probably at the start of the year nobody really knew what to expect from A Star Is Born and I think for a lot of people that'll be quite high up in their list of their favourite films this year and um, I liked it a lot thought it was really really good, really moving and maybe the last one I'd say it was a positive surprise would be Venom so didn't really know what to expect from Venom, I thought that the fact that it was quite late for people to see it and the review, there, there seemed to be a lot of people queuing up to give it a bit of a kicking. I actually had a really good time with Venom. I thought I thought it was a lot of fun. And, yeah, that, that I think, and again, did very well as I something think, slightly different. I think that's a good shout, Venom, in that it, I would be happy to watch a sequel to Venom. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, Pit me Tom too. Hardy as that character, I think yeah. there's a lot of mileage left in that. Yeah, you know, watching him... That jump in the lobster tank and start eating raw lobsters was, I think, one of the better moments in the superhero yeah, film this year. I, I don't disagree. He's he's incredibly charismatic for a man who shuffles around and talks under his breath and doesn't really look like he knows anything that's going on. He's he's a very good actor. He's got a lot of charisma as well. So what have been your favourite films of the year? So I think my favourite film of the year is a very, very small American indie film called Columbus. Um, which is about a um, a man whose father, who is a very respected architect and professor, has a stroke while he's visiting colleges in the US, and so he flies over. He's a he's a Korean American guy played by John Cho, and he flies over and he kind of connects with this um, young, really talented American kind of girl of college age who doesn't want to leave town because she wants to stay and support her mum who's been going through a hard time but she should really leave so she can go and fulfil her kind of dreams of being an architect or a city planner or a designer it's the directorial debut of a guy called Coganada uh, who's basically his whole career up until now has been making video essays about the filmmakers that he loves so he's done essays on um, Ozu and on Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson and it's just a really beautiful, powerful, mature, um, thought-provoking film with an incredible amount of warmth. And John Cho is brilliant in it. And he was great in Searching as well. He's had a really good year on the download, John Cho, this year. But the film's completely stolen by Hayley Lou Richardson, who... She's um, also had a good year. She has had a good year. And she, she probably kind of became on people's radars from things like Split and... Um, and uh, um, edge of 17 a couple of years ago this is a complete star making performance in in a world where more people had seen it they'd be talking about her as a potential Oscar winner for the role, it's a great great performance great film, that's probably my favourite film of the year and then um, in the kind of little group after that Phantom Thread which did everything I wanted it to do and a lot of things that I didn't know I wanted it to do <laughs> It, I, the first hour and 40 minutes or so of Phantom Thread are so exactly what I expected a Paul Thomas Anderson film about that to be and I mean that in a very positive way it's immaculately made beautifully shot, great acting some really kind of dark elements of humour and some some kind of storyline things which hint at something weirder and then the last 40 minutes is nothing like I ever thought I'd see and it's just fantastic and it's he's a great American filmmaker that bears comparison with any other great American filmmaker in history 
and that's up there with his best films. So that that one I really loved. I was very excited to see him make a film in the UK as well. Yeah, and yeah, I, I agree, I agree. And also, Reynolds' office is in the square opposite our office. Oh, nice. So a lot of interest, well, yeah. for me personally, just because... <laughs> I'll, I work, next time I watch it, I'll see if I can yeah, see I'll you. Work, I work near Reynolds Woodcock. Okay, which is good to know. Yeah. And it, it, if that is the last Daniel Day-Lewis performance we ever see, it's a fabulous performance. And... The other performances, Vicky Cripps, who nobody knew this time last year, she's incredible in the film as well, and the great Leslie Manville, who made that while shooting her sitcom, she's just a revelation in the film. So that one for me was uh, an absolute game changer at the start of the year. I really loved um, another small American indie movie called The Rider, um, which is a film about a farming community in kind of the American northwest-ish so montana um kind of area largely made up of a cast of non-professional actors and it's about a young kind of kid who has made a career out of being a rodeo rider but he suffers a bad accident while he's riding and he's told he can't do it anymore and it's like him adapting to his new life it's just a film that's very very gentle but has a real power to it. It's beautifully shot. It's from a uh, young filmmaker called Chloe Zhao, and it, she's going to go do on to do a new Marvel some, film, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, so the, she's been linked with a Marvel film, and I think beyond that, she strikes me as something... It, it's not a million miles away from the sort of impact that something like a Fruitvale Station was for Ryan Coogler a couple of years uh, before he made Creed and then obviously Black Panther this year. So that, to me, feels like a real kind of calling card. Then... If I just name a couple of others, I really liked Revenge, which is not an easy film to say you liked. Because I'm not, it's, I don't think I'm going to watch this one. It's really, really brutal. It's a, it, it deals with a lot of the kind of prevalent social issues that cinema should be dealing with this year, the male toxicity and all that sort of stuff, which you know is happening beyond the behind the scenes in filmmaking, so it's great to see a film actually challenge it. It's directed by a uh, French filmmaker called um, Coralie Farjat, and... Um, it's about a young woman who goes on a short break with her older partner and she's sexually assaulted by his friends and they leave her, they think, dead in a, in a valley and she's not dead and she wreaks revenge on them in some of the most beautifully um, rewarding ways you can imagine because <laughs> they are as hateful a group of male characters as you could imagine so she goes through a lot. A modern spin on I Spit on Your Grave. Kind of, but with a little bit more of an empowering. Yeah. Because obviously it's a, it's a, it's the female yeah. taking out, it's the the lady taking ownership of, of what's happened to her and and coming back from it. And there are some scenes in that film which I think were just unbelievably powerful and and. But yeah, it, it is a difficult watch, and obviously I, there's a lot I mean, of people that are, are very sensitive to things like that. I've had it on my list to watch on uh, since it came out yeah. uh, on Home End, and I just haven't found the right moment yeah, to watch it. it I, I mean, I might sit and do it this Christmas, but I haven't found it's the right a, moment. It's a brilliant film, and she's going to go on to do some amazing things. Um, and yeah, the p- central performance um, from an actress called Matilda Lutz is sensational it's it's a really really great film and you know it's difficult sometimes to watch those sorts of those sorts of things happening on screen and i think there is very much a case to say that 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 sort of violence has been commodified not for the greater good i think in this film 
there's a real kind of sense of feminism and and righteous anger that runs through it, which is something really refreshing to see. And then on a very different um, on a very different scale, I really liked a uh, the film that won the Palm Door Shoplifters, which is currently in cinemas now, which is a Japanese drama about a slightly dysfunctional family or a very dysfunctional family. Um, and it's directed by a guy called Hirokazu Kureda, who in the last 15 years has, by my estimation, now made seven out-and-out masterpieces, which is an incredible hit rate. Um, it's He's one of those filmmakers, if you've seen any of his films, you'll know how comfortable he is kind of working within the family dynamic. He's the best director of kids I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I agree. And the kids' performances in this film are, are incredible. Um, and he makes films that kind of seem like they should sit very similarly with each other and yet they're all different and he does a really great thing I actually had a quick chat with a friend of mine on Twitter this weekend about it and he said the thing about him is I never see what he's doing coming so I watch his films and they move me beyond any kind of um, rational amount of, of being moved and I can't see the cogs I can't see how he's doing it and he does it every time. He's just a genius and one of the most important filmmakers in the world, I it's, think. It's funny because when, when it won the Palme d'Or, it seemed to be the... It wasn't the film that everyone was talking about as winning the Palme d'Or, but when they announced that had won the Palme d'Or, everyone was like, just accepted. Oh, yeah, that's fine. It's yeah. absolutely fine. I think because he's, he's, he deserves it for basically an yeah, amazing career. I think the fact he's been around for so long and he's made so many great films, you just kind of think, oh, his moment must have gone, he's not going to win... So it's fine. So everyone was talking about Capernaum or any of the other film, Burning, which I would have also loved to have seen win the Palme d'Or, as the films that are Happy as Lazaro, all these films that people are kind of saying, oh, these, these have got a real chance. And instead, he won. And yeah, I, I agree. I thought maybe it would win an acting award, um, but for it to win the Palme d'Or was, was pretty great. So uh, looking at the, um, the bigger, the blockbuster films, what do you think have been the highlights? Mission Impossible. Um, I think they've been great since the J.J. Abrams one, which I think was the third. Yeah, so three. I think this was the sixth, so on a great run. I think they're now, you'd say, oh, for a long time I, I never thought there'd be a spy franchise that would be better than the Jason Bourne franchise. But if you think Bourne's five films, the last two haven't really worked. So there's probably a, one more entirely great Mission Impossible film than there is a Jason Bourne film. I think you'd have to say it's the best um, kind of action film franchise, which doesn't come from comics, at least. At yeah, the and I think I think this this was the best entry yeah. as well. Yeah, I agree. Just really, really relentlessly entertaining as well. I think Tom Cruise just is a very, very reassuring presence in this sort of film. You know, what you're going to get great supporting performances. I thought Army um, Henry Cavill, not Army Hammer. <laughs> but Henry Henry Cavill was very good in it. That's my uh, desire for a Man from Uncle sequel <laughs> coming to the fore again. I thought Henry Cavill was great in it as well. And yeah, I just thought it was really, really good. That that I think Spider Verse is up there as one of the best kind of mainstream movies of the year. I'd throw in uh, Avengers and Black Panther, both of which I thought completely delivered what they needed to deliver. Avengers, watching that film on the opening day in a full screen was a great experience because yep. it was silent and then everyone was like trying to work out how this all fits in with the fact that they know there's another Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming out soon and, and everything else so that was great uh, Black Panther I thought was terrific really really great um, 
probably the best directed of all of the Marvel films, I think, just the kind of ease in which it moves from different parts of the world and different kind of tones of the action sequences. And the best villain, I think, as well. And, yeah, Michael B. Jordan, absolutely brilliant. I really liked Creed 2. Um, as you know, Creed 1 is a, a touchstone movie for me. I didn't like Creed 2 as much as the first one. I thought it missed Ryan Googler's touch a little bit. It's a bit more workmanlike, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't fly in the same way as the first one does. But, but again, buttons. Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson, I think at this point I'd watch them do anything they wanted to do together. Um, and now I'm just trying to think if there's... I, I, I have a bit of a soft spot for the Meg, which I thought was very, very silly... Um, but very, very, very enjoyable. Uh, and one, actually, you asked me about surprises, and I should have mentioned this then, Tomb Raider, which I don't think anybody thought was going to be particularly good. Actually, I thought it was one of the most quietly entertaining kind of two-hour blockbusters that there was at the cinema I thought Alicia Vikander was excellent. She's great in it. I mean, she's, very, very, she's a very, very easy actress to watch because she's very likeable, and she's kind of, especially in a film like that, because she's not... You know, she's not massively physically imposing. You kind of feel like she's under a bit of threat all the way through yeah, yeah. it, which you don't necessarily feel with, like, you know, The Rock or whoever it is. You feel like all these things that are happening, they would actually hurt because she looks like a normal person. And, yeah, I thought it was really good and she was great in it. I don't know whether or not they'll they'll do a sequel, but she certainly, I think, answered any questions about whether or not she could do that sort of thing. And we won't dwell on this bit, but what were the, your biggest letdowns? Well... I, I I don't want to talk about these things too much, but um, the ho- I really didn't like the house that Jack built, which is currently available now. I would say that it's a perfect Lars von Trier film, so if you're more patient with Lars von Trier than I am, it's worth giving it a go. Uh, I Personally, I didn't really like The Incredibles 2. I don't really like The Incredibles 1 either, and I found Incredibles 2 actually a, f- a bit of a physically painful viewing experience because it's quite loud and it's there's lots of bits in it about people being hypnotized with like almost strobe like effects which actually fit I actually found physically quite disturbing um so I didn't I didn't love Incredibles 2 that'd be another one and I was disappointed by the Predator although I thought it was fun I actually and I kind of get that he wanted to make like a cartoonish sort of action comedy I actually think there was scope to have a little bit more seriousness in it too so that would be another one that I would throw out there as I mean, one that I was a bit disappointed by. I've written one film down here that I was going to offer, and the one I was going to offer was The Predator, which, just the fact it was a Shane Black film. Yeah, I've got and, a lot of love for Shane Black. And he's got linked with the Predator series yeah. as well. I just felt like it could have done more. Yeah, I mean, like historically, I think he's kind of been involved with some of my favourite action films. The Last Boy Scout, um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, Lethal Weapon... Among many it's others, long kiss, good night, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I just felt, and obviously, and the nice guys was absolutely, yeah. Well. I just felt it kind of left a little bit of something on the table. Didn't really, didn't really deliver exactly what I wanted it to. It had deliver. a good cast as well. So. Yeah, and actually, to be fair, the cast all did. I thought a pretty good job. Um, although it's a bit of a waste to have um, Sterling K. Brown play that role because he should be at this point playing mainstream movie heroes yeah. and. Um, and I hope the next time he makes a big budget movie, he gets to be the lead because I think he's got the, the chops to pull that yeah, off. Yeah, he's definitely got presence, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. So let's look ahead briefly to 2019. Award season is always um, one of the best times of the year for, for cinema. What have you seen so far? So I've seen quite a lot of the big awards contenders, I think. Um, although I think a lot of them have already been 
like when we, in terms of the critics awards that are going on now, there's a lot of love for things like Burning, which I mentioned earlier, which is a South Korean movie, um, but is genuinely one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Um, and if you get a chance to see that, that's one to kind of run to see. Um, I think the one kind of staple awards movie for January and February that I love the most is If Beale Street Could Talk. Barry Jenkins, probably the most, probably the most um, deserving person I can think of to have had the success that he's had. He's such a nice man. He's so charismatic. He's so kind of passionate about what he does. He shares the glory in his films with all the people that helped make him, and he's now made. I still haven't seen um, medicine for melancholy. Medicine for melancholy, um, but he's made two absolutely stand out, te- stand the test of time masterpieces. And um, Beale Street is just one of those films where the experience of watching it is unlike almost anything else. That I kind of wanted to reach out and touch some of the fabrics in the set design, the costume design's extraordinary, the music's amazing. Genuinely, I think, one of the best um, the best kind of uh, awards films in a long time. I'm not, I totally agree with you, because Moonlight was my favourite film of 2017, and I think had this come out this year, it might be, it would be yeah. in my top two, definitely. Yeah, I and think I have a feeling it will be in my so. top two next year. It's, it's a, yeah. I, don't, it's, I agree with you completely. It's something about the way he makes films just is so affecting yeah he's he just it it's not the same because it's a very different way but he has an authenticity and a vulnerability that he puts into his characters and i think he does it by getting the kind of the long close-ups of people staring back at the camera that wes anderson gets from in the midst of all of the deadpan dialogue those one moment the one line of I think we're just going to have to be unhappy together for the rest of our lives, which just cuts through all of the kind of artifice in all of his best films and reveals this kind of huge, um, genuine, authentic emotion that you don't necessarily expect to find in a Wes Anderson movie. I think in the Barry Jenkins films you do. I just think he's he's got to the stage now where... I don't know that he he tweeted something when he was in Toronto of him at his movie premiere rolling around on the red carpet with dogs that were there for no no apparent reason, <laughs> which makes me love him even more. He spent all of his time at Toronto bigging up other people's films, which is just not what you see other people do. He drunk tweeted watching Notting Hill over someone's shoulder on a plane this year, which he'd never seen before, which was one of the most entertaining. That that might be in my top twenty films if somebody does a a film recreation of him doing that because it was brilliant and he got totally swept up in the World Cup this summer as well and he did get totally swept up in the World Cup this summer he's he's really genuinely one of the most exciting filmmakers in a long time and Beale Street is a is another masterpiece I really like The Favourite um, which is funny and risque and outrageous and features four of the great performances of the year because there's a lot of love and rightly so for Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone but I was really shocked at how good Nick Holt is in it because I liked Nick Holt I used to watch Skins so I've always had a bit of a soft spot for him I, but I, didn't, Boy I didn't know he could do that yeah, and no, he's really really good in it so that one I thought was was really good I think in terms of what's going to win the awards next year it still feels to me like A Star Is Born is the mainstream film to beat um for the major awards and I'm fine with that to be honest I'm fine with Bradley Cooper winning I'm fine with Lady Gaga winning 
Um, it's a great film, Star is Born, I think. I'm certainly fine with them winning for the song and everything else. I'd like... Uh, there's a there's a couple of really small films which have had some critics love, one of which I'm, I'm going to mention. mentioned Hayley Lou Richardson earlier for Columbus. She's in Columbus. Great performance. Her performance and that of Regina King's... Or Regina Hall, I always get the two names mixed up, in Support the Girls... Uh, is amazing. Support the Girls is a comedy about a kind of a Hooters-esque workplace and it doesn't sound massively promising but it's so good. It's kind of... Andrew Bachowski. Andrew Bachowski, yeah. And yeah, it's just funny and affecting and it's again a film about comradeship and camaraderie and how friendship can get you out of hard times and how carrying other people can really hurt. Um, It's Regina Hall in... Uh, support the girls. I think Regina, Regina King, King is in, great in Beale, in Beale Street. Street could talk, yeah. um, that, that, that the the names always confuse me. But yeah, it's um, and Regina King is the wife in Enemy of the State. That's what I yeah. remember. And she was in uh, yeah. And Regina Hall is in Scary Movie. Yeah, which is <laughs> where I love her from the most. So yeah, it's um, that that's another film. I'm not sure when it will be out and about in UK cinemas, but when it comes out, it's worth going to it's see. It's picking up. I mean, Regina. Uh, Hall is picking up awards yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. in the Crick, a lot of the Crick's polls at the end Which of the year. Which is great. It'd be amazing if she could get an Oscar nomination. She thoroughly would deserve, would thoroughly deserve it. And actually, you know, there's uh, a film maybe we I should have mentioned a little bit was Widows, which I really liked, really really liked. I think it's Steve McQueen's best film. Um, and Viola Davis in that movie is just. I mean, at this point, we should just. She's basically Meryl Streep for for the next generation. I don't, I don't think she's ever anything other than incredible in, in anything I see her in. And her performance in that movie is great. Yep, really, I agree really with great. that. I think the whole ensemble is good. Yeah, and again, Brian Tyree Henry, who's so yeah, great in, in, um, in Beale Street, Street as well. And Daniel Kaluuya. And Daniel Kaluuya. I, I have always liked Daniel Kaluuya, but after Widows, I wasn't entirely sure if that was true anymore. He does this incredible thing of just staring at people from a really weird angle. I found it really disconcerting. So. Yeah. He's, yeah. he, that he was like Tommy DeVito in Goodfellas. Yeah. Like the one person yeah. you just don't want to be stuck yeah, across the tube you train. You wouldn't want to kind of make eye contact yeah, with yeah. him, I don't think. There's usually one film that breaks out and goes big. What do you think it'll be next year? Well, it's a very easy answer because it doesn't necessarily sit as an awards film out now. But Mary Poppins, which I think is going to get a lot of Oscar nominations and it's just going to be a, a huge box office hit. So it feels like it could be like the greatest showman again for next year but with a bit of awards consideration as well and certainly I think Emily Blunt would she's had a great year too brilliant in a quiet place which was a a great film and yeah I think there'll be a a very much a British kind of campaign for her to be uh, you know a strong contender at the BAFTAs probably going to be Oscar nominated as well I think and I think it would be great if we could get behind her because she's been a great actress for a long time and um Probably hasn't necessarily always received the critical acclaim that she's merited, I don't think. I mean, I was happy to see her get a Golden Globe nomination yeah. for A Quiet Place. Yeah, me too. Because uh, I've got two amazing, amazing contrasting performances that, um, you know, as, as you rightly say, she, it's about time she got some recognition yeah, I think for. So. And looking at the rest of the year, uh, what are your standout films would you highlight for the 2019? So the big one would be Lion King. I think, um, I think everybody's pretty excited about what Lion King could be. Um, one of my... Uh, memories of as as a young teenage boy who's going on a date to see The Lion King, so it's a film that it film that means a lot to me from that <laughs> perspective. Um, and it's going to be one of the biggest films of all time. Isn't yeah, it? I think so. I mean, it's like you make a film 
an adaptation of a film that everybody loves. You have like incredible new technology, which makes it look like TV shows, like the David Attenborough stuff that everybody loves. And you cast Beyonce, and I don't know how that can go wrong. And really. Childish Gambino. And Childish Gambino, um, both of which is is good news. John Favreau obviously did a great job on Jungle Book. Did a great job on Iron Man. And it's got um, the songs in. It's got the songs in it. It's got a great cast, Seth Rogen and um, Billy Eichner. I think um, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, I, I, don't see, I don't see a way it won't be everything everybody wants it to be, which sometimes is a lot of pressure for a film. But I just think it's, it's so many safe pairs of hands this all is, in one. Is this going to be the pinnacle for talking animal movies? I think it's going to, so far... Yeah, I mean, where do they go from here, though? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. There must not... be, there must be a, a thing. And also, actually, I have to say, if the film's anywhere near as good as either of the two Paddingtons, which is the they are the pinnacle, certainly qualitatively of talking animal movies, yeah. I think, then that's what I, the one we're, thing we're, we're very in a very good place. That's the one thing I'm concerned about. Is like the animals look too real. How are they going to make them talk? I think it'll be fine. I think that they they've been making it for a while, so I think I think it'll be fine. But either um, way, it's, yeah. it's, it's 19th of July. It's going to dominate the summer, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And then obviously everybody's going to want to find out how the Avengers are going to fix what hole they're in. Um, thought the trailer was great. Nice to see uh, Ant Man, uh, well Paul Rudd in that um, after well, he was kind of very absent from the first event. And I think Hawkeye it missed well. him a little bit. In yeah. Hawkeye, yeah. I didn't miss Hawkeye as much because I'm not sure what he brings to the table, to be honest. <laughs> but he looks but like, I like Paul Rudd it, and I want to spend more time with him even if the world's going to end. He, Paul Rudd is one of, those, one of the celebrities I feel like I could be friends with yeah. if we just had the it's, opportunity. Some, he's one of the only people who, if he's in a bad film, I feel the pain for him. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, that's not, not great, Paul. Paul. Not Paul. Um, so, so that's think, um, April 26th. Yeah, and that's going to be huge. I'm excited by Toy Story 4. Um, I think... Uh, you said earlier you didn't like Incredibles or Incredibles 2. Yeah. You must like a Toy Story film. I, I, like, I, I would say like is the wrong word. I, I love... The first Toy Story was the first computer animation I ever saw. It blew my mind. I was completely and utterly amazed by what I was seeing, like most people probably around that time. Toy Story 2 I watched as a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old and I didn't ever expect to cry at that sort of thing. By the time Toy Story 3 came out, I'd fully accepted that crying is who I was at those films <laughs> and yeah it was a it was a lot and I loved it and I still love that film without any kind of qualification at all I guess the thing with Toy Story 4 is it's a new start for the franchise because it's that's the story kind of ended with Toy Story 3 but there's so many incredibly talented and intelligent people working on that that I don't doubt it's going to deliver um, what we needed to I was very deliver. very heartened by the clip they showed with the two new characters yeah. Ducky and Bunny well, voiced by Key and Peel. Yeah. because I've just I've seen that clip so many times and it, it makes me laugh every single time yeah I mean they are very funny together as a matter of course um, Toy Story June in the UK middle of June June 19th yeah June 19th so then one that's maybe not oh, no, so June much 21st, June 21st June 21st sorry. one that's maybe not so much on everybody's radar yet it's directed by um, John Crowley is The Goldfinch um, a lot of people will know the book a lot of people will have read the 650 pages of the book and thought this would make a pretty good 13 hour long HBO series I'm really intrigued to see how he makes it into a film I thought Brooklyn was one of the best films of the decade 
Um, and I'm very, very interested to see what they do with the Goldfinch. I think that has real potential. That's October 4th, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it so. stars Nicole Kidman. 11th, October the 11th, I think. October 11th, yeah. yeah. Um, and it stars Nicole Kidman, Sarah Paulson. And I think it's Nye Barnard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ansel Elgort. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a fascinating story as well. It is, and she's a great writer. I mean, I remember reading um, The Secret History, which she wrote, I don't know, when I was at university. So she's been... Donna Tartt's been around a long time. It, it, it won, as I said, I think it won the Pulitzer. It's good win the Pulitzer um, Prize, yeah. Yeah, um, which, you know, is a is a great kind of badge of honour. Looking forward to Captain Marvel. I think that, that's got real potential. I'm looking forward to the new Jordan Peele movie, Us, Us which think, is... Which is the week after week Captain after Marvel, Captain March Marvel. 15th. Captain yeah. Marvel's March 8th. I'm... I think Us is the film I'm most looking forward to in Q1. Because you just don't know what it's going to no, be yet, do we? And it's three months away, and, no. we, and we still don't know. And yeah, everybody trusts him completely. And the new is, posters, in, yeah. they've released a poster yeah, yeah. last week, which is interesting. Someone wearing riding, um, driving gloves yeah. and holding... Holding like some kind of um, like emblem of some yeah. sort. Yeah, it's... Uh, and it's got Lupita Nyong'o, Elizabeth yeah. Moss. Yeah. Yeah, I'm and very excited for that. Yeah, I don't doubt that's going to be something pretty special. Um, in terms of the rest of the year, I'm kind of into the idea of a new Charlie's Angels film. Um, and they're doing some, it does feel like the casting's not what you would expect no, either. it's a different sort of cast than you would have thought. Um, one thing I've learned is that if you, if you, I think Kristen Stewart's a great actress, and like over the last four or five years, I've tweeted that a couple of times about films she's been in. And I've never ever I've had to turn my phone off because <laughs> shit like if you praise Kristen Stewart on Twitter, you will get an extraordinary number of comments, retweets, and and likes to the point where it actually becomes a bit of a drain on your phone battery life. So, I am looking forward to that partly because Kristen Stewart's in it, and I think she's great. But also, Elizabeth Banks is involved, and I think it's a nice, it's good timing for a film like that. I think to come back, and I think, you know what, I'm I'd go to I'd go to battle to defend the Last Jedi. Which was the first Star Wars film I've seen since I found out Darth Vader was Luke's dad. Spoiler alert! Um, that surprised me. I think I've enjoyed I've enjoyed each of the other prequels. So, loved Force Awakens. One of the great movie-going experiences of my life. Seeing that minute past midnight on the first morning of the release. I really loved Rogue One. Watched Last Jedi, and I went into the film thinking these are the things that I think they'll try and sort out. And they basically fi- they basically answered all those questions within 30 minutes and I had no idea what was going to come next and I still don't really so I'm very excited by whatever episode 9 turns in, turns out to be yeah and I'm excited um, about. I mean I just want to see I mean I like the character, the new characters yeah me too you know I hope I, whatever happens in episode 9 I, I, I hope we, there's, there's more from them yeah me too I mean I thought they did some really interesting things by kind of making Finn uh, not Finn making um, uh, the Oscar Isaac character Poe Dameron Poe Dameron what a great name <laughs> into a little bit more of a flawed hero this time I thought it was really interesting um, but yeah, I mean, I'm in. I'm down for whatever. I would happily watch another four or five films of of Daisy Ridley, finding out what her place in the universe is and how she's managed to achieve it. And I think it was a great thing to not. And I hope it, they stick with it to have her not be the descendant of anybody else because it taps into something that when I watched the first Star Wars as a five or six or seven year old kid, I don't know how old I was, but when I watched it for the first time, I the thing that really struck me was that Luke could have been anybody and like that was such a powerful thing it wasn't that like we, I think probably at that time watched a lot of things about princes and knights and all these people that were kind of you know brave because their dads were brave 
well, it was kind of cool to watch a film where I didn't think that was the case, and he was like just this amazing hero, had these powers, and it could have been anybody. And then obviously it was kind of worth the letdown of that not being the case for the twist, but I, I hope they stick with that for, for Ray, because I think it's a great idea. Yep, I agree with you. All adds up to, I think, what's going to be another great year in 2019. I think so too, yeah. Um, and there'll be lots and lots of little kind of... Um, great little films around I mentioned a couple already um, I think you know I think back to this year for example just things like Leave No Trace and Lady Bird at the start of the year so many great films that people could have that have been around for people to see I, I will say Leave No thing. Trace is my favourite film of 2018 is it it's, yeah. it's in my top 10 too so yeah. it's um, it's a really really great film phenomenal performances she's a great filmmaker as well Deborah Granick yep. and um Unbelievable! I found it heartbreaking yeah. that film, and it is available to watch at home if you haven't had a chance yeah. to watch it yet. So I, I remember I saw that in Cannes. Like I had to, had to queue. Um, so basically, where that screen is in Cannes, there's a subway, which they've now I think shut, but was there at that point? Subway as in the sandwich, the sandwich shop. shop. Okay. So I came out of another film at like seven o'clock, and Leave No Trace was ten. And I walked along, uh, ambled along the kind of the the, the street in Cannes, thinking I'll go and get a sandwich. I'll join the queue at about 8.30 and I can I can read a book. And, um, yeah, I got there at, like, 7.30, bought my sandwich, came out, and the queue was already, like, 180 people deep. And I ended up sitting in the seat in the front left corner of the screen, which wasn't the most comfortable place <laughs> to watch it. But, yeah, just an incredible viewing experience. A really, really great film, I think. Uh, thanks for joining me, Alex. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks uh, for having I'll me. I'll be back in 2019. Whatever you're doing this Christmas, go and see Mary Poppins Returns or Aquaman or Spider-Verse or whatever you choose, but have a great time uh, and thanks for listening in 2018. Bye-bye.